what is something you would have told your younger self? And this guy, this like old dude was, he said, uh, my dad always told me everybody puts, puts on their pants the same way in the morning. Mm-hmm. He said, basically, he's like, no matter what, he's like, it's true. You can ask everybody. Everybody has the same problems right when they wake up in the morning. And I, don't know, I was just like, that's a funny <laughs> way to put it, but it's like, yeah, true. It's, it's like, we all got to do it. Everybody Somehow. has a problem and, yeah. uh, you know, the best of us learn and are inspired by these laws yeah. while many of us succumb to them. And so, which are you, you know, that was the big, that's the one I put down. Um, big fat. so it was a, that was a big thing for me because victim mindset is something that really bothers me. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So one thing I noticed too, like after reading this, I was like, I gotta go for a run. So I put my backpack on and put weight in the bag. I was like, I'm going for a fucking run. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to run with some weight. <laughs> and so <laughs> I invited my mom and dad. They said, no, there was no way I was convincing them. And I told my sister, hey, let's go for a run. She ran running with you? She went running with me. And uh, we're running. <laughs> and we get to the front of the school and I turn around. Like everything was just cool five seconds ago, bro. I turn around, she's limping. I'm like, oh, that's the excuse you're going to use? That's the excuse you're going to use? Like, dude, sometimes life in, in life you're gonna roll your ankle, you just better keep it moving. You know what I mean? I made her ask You have to search for a new set of rules. Right in the full use to the man who has betrayed his soul. Maybe you're the protagonist in your story, but like there's a million other people. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's Monday. You already know what it is. Paradigm Podcast. It's chapter seven of our book that we're reading, uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. This chapter of this title is titled the most powerful weapon uh after watching the video be sure to leave us a like on our video comment subscribe follow us on our social media check in with us for any questions or concerns and yeah let's hop into it hell yeah so what a what a chapter bro too what a chapter i I really really enjoyed it i think this is my favorite chapter yeah it was insane it was insane he was dropping nugget after nugget (laughs) yeah (laughs) That's for sure. This is yeah. probably the chapter I highlighted the most. Same, yeah. Same for me. When remember, I think was it last chapter where I read like the wrong one or whatever. Oh yeah. At that whole week, I was in like a zone because I was reading this chapter and it made me rethink a bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but, what was your guys' favorite part, and why? Um. Uh, I would say my biggest takeaway. Um, because I like to summarize the chapter, especially when I go back and read my highlights. I got to see where i highlighted in the chapter but there's a um towards the beginning a little bit um i'd say it's closer to the beginning it's he states uh, david goggin states we settle as individuals and we teach our children to settle for less than their best and all that ripples out merges and multiplies within our communities and society as a whole so um obviously you guys aren't going to understand like the audience isn't going to understand unless you read uh chapter seven of david goggin's um can't hurt me but him breaking down as how capable we are, the 40 rule, the 40% rule. I think that is like a limitation that I didn't, I don't comprehend still. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm at, a, like when I'm pushing myself, <laughs> I feel like I'm at a hundred. Right. Like, I feel like I'm there. And I, if I can't push myself anymore, I don't know if it's my body telling my mind I can't do it anymore. Or if it's my mind telling, or if it's the other way, whatever mm-hmm. I said first. Mm-hmm. So listening to that, I think that is true. It ripples through, not only your family, your friends, but the way you talk to yourself ripples through communities. It's a, it's a, it's a, we're connected in all different aspects and forms. But I think that statement alone really defined the chapter for me. And I really like how you put it. Like, it's like, we're connected all as one. And when you say something and someone hears that, if it's your child, then they 
take on your personality. They take on mm-hmm. your way of thinking. They take mm-hmm. on your capability or how much they're willing to push themselves. Yeah. So that was an excellent uh, point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was intense. They were even reading up that whole point, like the whole Las Vegas yeah. marathon up to that point, it was like, wow, you know? So uh, how about you, John? What was your favorite part and why? Uh, I guess the part that stuck out to me the most is when um, post his first 100-mile run and then um, post like him doing that 10K with his family or whatever, and he ended up trying, uh, he knows he's going to do the Hurt 100, and he mentions, and the people around him who see he can't even run really, um, <laughs> they're like, you're retarded, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't do this. And then he mentions, he's like, the quickest way to kill a dream is to tell the people around you. Yeah. Um, because he's like, whether he's like, whether they think it's like for your own good or whatever, um, they tell you you can't do it. Like you should play it safe. Yeah. And um, it's true, you know. Whether like people mean to or not, like people squash your dreams, you know. Mm-hmm. But he had like a, enough um inner confidence, inner motivation, and inner drive to be like, I think I'm gonna give this my shot, you know? Yeah. And I really don't care what anyone else thinks. Yeah. And I'm gonna give it more than anyone else has ever given it around me. And like that's how I'm gonna prove it to myself. Fuck everyone else, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah and yeah. I was like, Hell yeah. You know, like anyone can relate to that, you know? Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. it's the shittiest part the shittiest part about that is like it's usually the closest people to you. You know oh, yeah. what I mean? That's right. you that like you can't achieve something great or something that they haven't achieved yet. So it's like But but then to branch off of what you guys said earlier, how everything affects people and like the community around you, you know, like when you do have the inner drive, when you are showing people that um you can do better than mediocre and so can so if you can, so can so can they, right? Because people always compare each other to each other. Right. Um, I think that has a ripple effect in the community too, you know? Um yeah. I just see it like right now at school with the kids and stuff, you know, like I hype them up, give them a lot of positivity, and then they're able to do stuff, you know? And then they're like, yeah. maybe I can do more. Maybe I can, you know, maybe I am leaving shit on the table. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, um, you know, when I look around, even in my city, it's kind of like a crabs in a bucket type of mentality, where it's like if somebody tries to get out, they grab that crab and pull them back in, mm. right? And that kind of makes me think of when it came to the seven habits of highly effective people and it talked, it had that graph of driving forces versus restraining forces. And he, yeah. t- he mentioned it right here, John's favorite part, which was you try to make a change or you try to pursue something greater than mediocre. And even the closest people to you, your family, your friends, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever it might be, tries to pull you back down in that barrel. Because when you try to be better, this is just in some cases, but when you try to be better, it makes them feel like shit, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're trying to be better than what am I, right? Yep. And so that crab in a bucket mentality, when you're faced with that, understand that, you know, everybody's identity is revolves around being comfortable. And when you are trying to get outside of being comfortable because growth isn't comfortable, it's painful. It's a painful experience. Oh yeah. When you try to get out of that, people are going to try to pull you down and know that that is a marker showing that you're going in the right direction. Yeah. And so I thought that that was one of the biggest things in the chapter. And, yeah. and honestly, the, the sum of this whole book, the, what I'm getting out of it is just like the more often you are uncomfortable, the easier it is to do uncomfortable things all the time. Oh, like yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah, true. Hell yeah. Callous that mind, baby. Hell yeah. Yeah. How about you, David? What was your favorite part and why? Uh, my favorite part was <clears throat> the part where he, uh, he talks about Goggins' laws of nature. I thought it was really... <laughs> It's like very simple, 
but I love it. Uh, he says, when we know life can be hard, and yet we feel sorry for ourselves when it isn't fair. From this point forward, accept the following as Goggins' laws of nature. You will be made fun of. You will feel insecure. You may not be the best all the time. You may be the only black, white, Asian, Latino, female, male, gay, lesbian, or fill in your identity in a given situation. There will be times when you feel alone. Uh, and then he says, get over it. And I think I hear a lot, you know, people say like, get over something. But hearing it from him and, and the way he puts it right here makes it uh, just hit a little bit harder. And it, it I posted I posted this um, this list on IG and one of my friends was like it's not that easy and then, like you know and I was like exactly it's not easy it's gonna be hard it's gonna be uncomfortable mm-hmm. kind of like we were just talking about um, and uh, I don't know man it's it's crazy how how strong our minds are and I think I love the the idea of using that phrase like our mind is the most powerful weapon so dope yeah very inspiring i think everything in our lives is hard i think we just choose what we lean into to formulate something to become easy so if you formulate something to become easy real fast and then you kind of get comfortable and you get stuck in that way of taking the easy road then it's harder to find that harder road like Mm -hmm. referring to your friend i'm not saying everything is easy but i think everything is hard everything is oh yeah it it should put Ah, in that comfortable situation i would disagree dude what's harder (laughs) Making dinner or going to McDonald's? Mm-hmm. Making dinner. What What's easier, walking to work or driving to work? Yeah. What you know? I, I don't know. Like, there's tons of things that are easy. That's why people aren't great. Like, that's right. why people yeah. are fat. You know, yeah. like, uh, it's like less friction. Yeah, it's easier to go down the hill than up it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's easier to be like, all right, what do you want to do tonight? Go hit the gym or do some drugs. Yeah. You know, it's easier to be like, I want to do some drugs. Yeah. But we or that. even girls like trying to like try to go like. You know, go out and girls. What's easier, never trying or staying in your apartment or like trying to go send it? You know, yeah. like one's definitely uncomfortable and it's still <laughs> yeah. hard to talk to the girls. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would say that too. Like, um, I think I forget who breaks it down, but he's like, when it's so much easier to go down the hill, just roll down the hill, than it is to get back up and hike back up it. You know, there's I think there's a lot of things that are easy in life, but when you're doing those, are you building something or are you just kind of yeah. destroying something? Jocko Will and they kind of put that into perspective for me. Jocko yeah. Williams is another crazy dude. Too. That's another <laughs> crazy guy. Right. And I was actually listening yeah. to one of his videos today and it was like um, every single second you're doing something, you're either, you know, they say Rome wasn't built in a day, but it also wasn't destroyed in a day. Right. Either yeah. you maximize every second by building something or you lose every second because it's being destroyed. Right. Mm. So would it, maximize every second to your best ability and understand that you're building something or you're destroying something, right? With yeah. the little split decisions you make every single True. day. So uh, I, I'm going to kind of go off of what you said. My favorite part was David's, um, you know, his rules for life, his laws, uh-huh. I would say. Yeah, uh, I added those to my affirmations on my whiteboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the reason why I put is like, these are things every single person ever has gone through, right? Mm-hmm. You can hear somebody say, you know, I'm the only... I'm the only white person in my classroom. I'm the only Latino person in my classroom. I'm the only black person in my classroom. Well, I mean, I was the only person that had my own little demographic in school. You know what I mean? There's somebody who's gay that that's, they're the only gay person at work. That's not a good enough excuse to not be great and pursue greatness, right? And if, and if you are using that as an excuse, I mean, this, it might hurt, but like, get the fuck over it, bro. Like straight up, like, Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard a, I saw a TikTok today and thought it was a funny story. There, 
they asked a bunch of people um what what is something you would have told your younger self and this guy this like old dude was he said um uh, my dad always told me everybody puts puts on their pants the same way in the morning mm-hmm. he said basically he's like no matter what he's like it's true you can ask everybody everybody has the same problems right when they wake up in the morning and i don't know i was just like that's a funny <laughs> way to put it but it's like yeah, true it's like though. we all got to do it everybody Somehow. has a problem and yeah. uh you know the best of us learn and are inspired by these laws yeah while many of us succumb to them and so which are you you know that was a big that's the one i put down um big fat. so it was a that was a big thing for me because victim mindset is something that really bothers me yeah right mm-hmm. so one thing i noticed too like after reading this i was like i gotta go for a run so i put my backpack on and put weight in the bag i was like i'm going for a fucking run you know i mean? <laughs> oh, with some weight <laughs> and so fucking, <laughs> i invited my mom and dad they said no there was no way i was convincing them and i told my sister hey let's go for a run she ran running with you she went running with me and uh we're running <laughs> and we get to the front of the school and i turn around like everything was just cool five seconds ago bro i turn around she went there i'm like oh that's the excuse you're gonna use that's the excuse you're gonna use like, dude, sometimes life in, in life you're gonna roll your ankle, you just better keep it moving. You know what I mean? And I made her ass or kept keep running all the way back to the house. Damn. But uh yeah, she just was trying to formulate something in her head to get out of a run outside. I was like, I'm not gonna accept that shit. You better fucking run or you're out. You're gonna have to dark. walk back. You know, yeah, yeah. get home faster than you're <laughs> right? Like I ain't running to the car to go pick you up. <laughs> so yeah, it was a it's it's interesting. It's such an inspiring book that like, you know, I I couldn't imagine myself. I was telling my sister, I was like, four years ago, if you would have told me I was out here running at with uh running three miles with you know 15 20 pounds on my back i would have laughed at you yeah. you know what i mean but you know the growth that we've done and this book how ins- inspirational and motivational it is it really uh it's interesting to see where we've grown to true yeah, where we come hell yeah you guys want to hop into the summary hell yeah yes sir. all right so uh this summary is gonna be a little longer this week it was a little longer chapter so stick in there with me so this chapter begins 37 hours after the San Diego one-day race. Goggins is back at work, still in pain. He had been looking forward to calling Chris Kosman, the creator of the uh, Badwater race. Maybe there would be some overdue respect and surprise in the tone of his voice. The call went to voicemail, so Goggins sent him an email sharing that he had completed the 100 miles needed to qualify for Badwater in 18 hours and 56 minutes. Moreover, he asked what else he needed to do to get into the race. The next day, Kosman responded, congrats on your 100-mile finish. The point of a 24-hour event is to run for 24 hours. Anyways, stay tuned for the announcement that you can apply. The race will be July 24th to 26th. Goggins obviously took that, to, that response personally, but he took a week to cool down before riding him back. During that time, Goggins began researching other races to bolster his resume. Kosman was one of five people on the Badwater Admissions Committee. They review and score applications of nearly 1,000 people a year, and based on their cumulative scores, the top 90 are admitted and permitted to participate. To ensure his admission, Goggins would attempt another ultra race titled the Hurt 100. One of the toughest 100-mile races in the world through the rainforest of Oahu, To cross the finish line, Goggins would need to traverse up and down 24,500 vertical feet. So the date was placed in his calendar, but he had one more race he had to do before that, the Las Vegas Marathon. Kate, David's mom, and David himself planned to participate in the marathon months before the idea of San Diego one day ever crossed David's mind. Goggins was still beat up from San Diego one day, so he planned to walk it with his mom. 
for as long as he could and then call a taxi to be at the finish line to await their arrival. So the three of them towed up to the line as the clock struck 7 a.m. and someone got to the mic to begin the official countdown. 10, 9, 8, and when they hit one, the horn sounded and something in Goggins clicked. He states, the last thing I remember seeing as the horn echoed down the street was shock and real concern on the faces of Kate and my mother as I charged down the boulevard and out of sight. The residual pain from the San Diego one day was still very real until adrenaline kicked in approximately a quarter mile in. Goggins arrived at the halfway point, 13 miles, and saw the official clock, one hour, 35 minutes, and 55 seconds. With that time, he was in the hunt to qualify for the Boston Marathon. In order to do that, he'd have to finish the race in under three hours, 10 minutes, and 59 seconds. It wasn't going to be easy. Goggins had ridden an adrenaline rush for the first 13 miles, but felt every bit of pain running the last 13. And at mile 18, Goggins hit a wall. He shares, my legs felt like I was running in deep Saharan sand. I needed to stop and take a break, but I refused. And two hard miles later, I felt rejuvenated. I reached the next clock at mile 22. I was still in the hunt for Boston, though I'd fallen 30 seconds off of my pace. And to qualify, the next four miles would have to be my very best. Goggins dug deep and ran his last two miles at a sub seven pace and finished the race at a little over three hours, eight minutes qualifying for Boston. As he sat awaiting his wife and mother, he contemplated a question he couldn't shake. What am I capable of? First buds, then San Diego one day, now the Las Vegas Marathon, at an elite pace when he had no business even walking a mile? What am I capable of? Rain true. Goggins continues, I couldn't answer that question, but as I looked around the finish line that day and considered what I'd accomplished, it became clear. We are all leaving a lot more on the table without realizing it. We are habitually settling for less than our best at work, in school, in our relationships, and on the playing field or race course. We settle as individuals, and we teach our children to settle for less than their best. And all of that ripples out, merges, and multiplies within our communities and society as a whole. In that moment, the cost of missing out on so much excellence in this eternally fucked up world felt incalculable to me, and it still does. I haven't stopped thinking about it since. Within a few days, Goggins had bounced back to his new normal, dealing with the same serious yet tolerable pain of the San Diego one day. All the aches were still there, but Goggins needed to start training or he'd burn out on the Hurt 100 and there would be no bad water. Research led him to understanding that in order to run ultras, running 100 miles a week was necessary and he had a month to train and prepare before race day. January 14th, Goggins began running the 16 mile different distance to work at least three times a week. Sometimes he'd run home to and from on Saturdays. Uh, excuse me. Sometimes he'd run home and on Fridays he added a ruck run into the mix. These ruck runs had a ruck sack with two 25 pound weights inside and a distance of up to 20 miles to cover. The first week of training, Goggins ran 77 miles. The following week, 109 miles. The next week, 111.5 miles. He followed his big week with a taper before his race with a 56.5 mile week. He and his wife, Kate, then flew to Honolulu a few days early and stayed at Haleakoa. Goggins had studied the maps, but hadn't seen them in person. So he drove over to the Hawaiian Nature Center and stared into the forest covered mountains. The Hurt 100 was a 20 mile course of which only a slim slice of those who start the race finish all five laps. The day of the race, he started strong and felt great 
but not long into it, he knew he was facing a monster course. It wasn't for the elevation or distance either. It was because of all the rocks and roots and his camelback breaking that <clears throat> brought him to the foreground. After completing his lap, his second lap, his wife Kate was waiting for him after enjoying a relaxing day at Waikiki Beach. She watched as he materialized from the forest like a zombie from The Walking Dead. He sat and guzzled as much water as he could and learned that word had gotten around that this was his first trail race. Once he started again, he ran with a guy named Luis Escobar, who asked him some questions. So it's your first trail race. You really picked the wrong, I know. I'm a fucking idiot. I've heard that a lot today, replied Goggins. That's okay. We're all a bunch of idiots out here, man, said Escobar as he, <laughs> as he handed Goggins a bottle of water. Take this. I heard about your camelback. Ultras are a constant dance between competition and camaraderie. Everyone is racing the clock and each other, but they all want each other to make it. They were in it alone, together, and Escobar was right. They were a couple of fucking idiots. Goggins continued his race through the grueling conditions of the Hurt 100. Goggins then introduces some interesting ideas. So on page 209, he says, I'm sure you can tell that it doesn't take much for me to become obsessed. Some criticize my level of passion, but I'm not down with the prevailing mentalities that tend to dominate American society these days. The ones that tell us to go to, with the flow or invite us to learn how to get more with less effort, fuck that shortcut bullshit. The reason I embrace my own obsessions and demand and desire more for myself is because I've learned that it's only when I push myself beyond pain and suffering past my perceived limitations that I am capable of accomplishing more physically and mentally. The human body is like a stock car. We may look different on the outside, but under the hood, we all have huge reservoirs of potential and a governor impeding us from reaching our maximum velocity. In a car, the governor limits the flow of fuel and air so it doesn't burn too hot, which places a ceiling on performance. Our governor is buried deep in our minds, intertwined with our very identity. It knows what and who we love and hate. It's read our whole life story and forms the way we see ourselves and how we'd like to be seen. But here's the thing. It doesn't have absolute control. Unlike the governor in an engine, ours can only stop us when we buy into the bullshit and agree to quit. Sadly, most of us give up when we've only given around 40% of our maximum effort. Even when we feel like we've reached our absolute limit, we still have 60% more to give. That's the governor in action. Once you know that to be true, it's simply a matter of stretching your pain tolerance, letting go of your identity, and all your self-limiting stories so you can get to 60%, then 80%, and beyond without giving up. I call this the 40% rule. And it's the reason it's so powerful is that if you follow it, you will unlock your mind to new levels of performance and excellence in sports and in life. The 40% rule can be applied to everything we do because in life, almost nothing will turn out exactly as we hope. There are always challenges. And whether we are at work, school, or feeling tested within our most intimate and important relationships, we will all be tempted to walk away from commitments, give up on our goals and dreams, and sell our own happiness short at some point. Because we feel empty, like we have no more to give, when we haven't tapped us even half of our treasure buried deep in our minds. I know how it feels to be approaching an energetic dead end. I've been there too many times to count. I understand the temptation to sell short, but I also know that impulse is driven by mind's desire for comfort and it's not telling you the truth. It's your identity trying to find sanctuary and help you not to grow. Which brings us to Goggins' Laws of Nature. This is on page 219. 
David read it a little bit earlier, but I'll recite it here. Goggins' laws of nature, you will be made fun of. You will feel insecure. You may not be the best all the time. You may be the only black, white, Asian, Latino, female, male, gay, lesbian, or fill in your identity here in any given situation. There will be times when you feel alone. Get over it. Our minds are fucking strong. They are our most powerful weapon, but we have stopped using them. We have access to so many more resources today than ever before, and yet we are so much less capable than those who came before us. If you want to be one of the few to defy those trends in our ever-softening society, you will have to be willing to go to war with yourself and create a whole new identity, which requires an open mind. It's funny. Being open-minded is often tagged as a new age or soft idea. Fuck that. Being open-minded enough to find a way is old school. It's what knuckle-draggers do, and it's exactly what I did. By the time Goggins towed up to the line for Badwater at 6 a.m. on July 22, 2006, he moved his governor to 80%. Goggins states, you know what that guaranteed me? Jack fucking shit. Goggins started out at 6 a.m. and paced with Akos Gunya, the first 17 miles, which David recalls as a bad call. At mile 26, Akos put some distance between Goggins and himself, and David started to realize that he went out way too fast. He, realized, he reached the mile 42, at 1.31 p.m., a full hour after Akos. Goggins was the, on the course for seven and a half hours and was almost exclusively walking by then. He hiked the entire 18-mile climb to Town Pass, and as predicted, the sun was setting as he crested the 4,850-foot. He stuck to his script and ran the entire nine-mile descent. The sun began to rise, and a swarm of runners began to materialize at mile 110 but he didn't see any of them until mile 122 when his wife pulled up alongside Goggins and shared the news. Scott Jurek is two miles behind you. With Jurek on the hunt, Goggins was inspired to give everything he had as he turned onto Whitney Portal Road and started the final 13-mile climb. Finally, at mile 128 on the steepest part of the steepest road, Jurek was on his heels. Goggins got out of the way and cheered him on. Inspired by Jurek, Goggins ran most of the final seven miles, and after 30 hours, 18 minutes, and 54 seconds of running, hiking, sweating, and suffering, Goggins snapped the tape at the finish line. 90 runners completed that race in 2006, and Goggins finished in fifth. Honoring SBG's email to Kosman so long ago, ensuring his finishing, his, oh, excuse me, ensuring David would finish in the top 10%. During his finishing interview, a cool breeze resulted in treason whispered in his ear. I closed my eyes, and I saw Jurek Olsen, Akos, and Carl Metzler. All of them had something I didn't. They understood how to drain every last drop and put themselves into a position to win the world's most difficult races, and it was time to seek out that feeling for myself. I'd prepare like a man-man. I knew myself and the terrain. I stayed ahead of my quitting mind, answered the simple questions, and stayed in the race, but there was one more thing to be done. There was still something higher for me to rise to. A cool breeze rustled the trees, dried the sweat from my skin, and soothed my aching bones. It whispered in my ear and shared a secret, which echoed in my brain like a drumbeat that wouldn't stop. There is no finish line. Goggins, there is no finish line. This brings us to challenge number seven. Phenomenal summary. Gotta give it to you. That was that was fantastic. Thank you. Fantastic. All right, challenge seven. Let's get into it. The main objective here is to slowly start to remove the gov that governor from your brain. 
First, a quick reminder of how this process works. In 1999, when I weighed 297 pounds, my first run was at a quarter mile. Fast forward to 2007, I ran 205 miles in 39 hours, nonstop. I didn't get there overnight and I don't expect you to either. Your job is to push past your normal stopping point. Whether you are running on a treadmill or doing a set of push-ups, get to a point where you are as so tired and in pain that your mind is begging you to stop. Then push to five to 10% further. If the most push-ups you have ever done is 100 in a workout, do 105 or 110. If you normally run 30 miles each week, run 10% more next week. This gradually ramp up will help prevent injury and allow your body and mind to slowly adapt to your new workload. It also resists resets your baseline, which is important because you're about to increase your workload another five to 10% to fo the following week, the week after that. There is so much pain and suffering involved in physical challenges that it's the best training to take command of your own inner dialogue and the newfound mental strength and confidence you gain by continuing to push yourself physically will carry over to the other aspects in your life. You will realize that if you, if you were underperforming in your physical challenges, there's a good chance you are underperforming at school and work too. The bottom line is that life is one big mind game. The only person you're playing against is yourself. Stick with, the pro stick with this process and soon what you thought was impossible will be something you do every day of your life. Boom. <laughs> All right. So uh, what we decided to do is talk about one past experience that pushed our mental governor and one future goal we have that will push our mental governor as well. Uh, so I'll go first. Uh, in the past, so my past experience, I had a couple that I laid down, but this past weekend, I'll just go off of this past weekend, a peer from grad school and I named Nick DeSisto, and I hiked 13.95 uh, miles with 3,200 feet of elevation gain resulting in a peak, a uh, Kaiser peak, at 10,300 feet. Hikes above 9,000 feet really test my physical ability and uh, test your governor, definitely. So once I hit 9,000 feet, that breathing starts getting real hard because like, I don't know, the oxygen's just significantly lower. And so once that 9,000 foot hits, I'm like, while I'm hiking and I just, Go right down to the first gear and just real slow but continuous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, hey, John, can you mute your mic? What is that? Do you hear that? Yeah. I think somebody's moving something upstairs. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I learned to push myself in these moments. Uh, there's there's a couple times I can think of, you know, with a friend of mine named Jill. She's doing her undergraduate thesis at this place called Woodchuck. I won't explain where that is too much because it's some good pushing out there. But... <laughs> There, that hike ended up at like just under 10,800 feet. And once I hit that 9,000 foot mark, it was just like, <gasps> you know what I mean? Like breathing was hard. So um, me Damn. and Nick are going to be planning on doing more of those hikes. Like we're going to try and get them in like every weekend, every other weekend, um, just to kind of keep pushing that mental governor. So that was the past one this weekend. Uh, so in the future, summer 2022, I will summit Mount Whitney, the tallest peak in the United States, the continental United States, I'll be on that team. And uh, so that that's gonna be one where I push myself. That's a 20 mile hike with over 6,000 feet of gain. And it's a extremely mm. hard hike that you have to get permits for. Um, this is, what? it's not just something that you could just up and do. So you go on the weekends real quick, hike on the You, you just apply out. for the permit and it's like three bucks or whatever, but it's, it's a massive hike, you end up 
at the highest peak in the United States uh, oh at 14,500 feet. 505 feet and so that that's going to be my goal so training for that to get there next summer question do you have to train for elevation sickness or no because i haven't just get you haven't got that no i because when i feel like because what it is is like i get a blood pump in and you can like hear it it's just like fatigue faster um i would take (laughs) periodic breaks you know david it's all it's all about i think it's called like your vo2 your apple watch like your apple watch tracks it it's about like how much oxygen your blood carries right. and the more uh cardio in shape you are the better that is like you can improve it like for right. example like, I, like just recently i've even improved mine like, you can track it and yeah, um, nice. as long as you have that that's that's it right okay. and cool. that's why it, it happens up there is because the oxygen levels the percentage is so much lower than where so we're you, at you can't get enough oxygen like, like you're having trouble getting more oxygen to yourself oh, right, right. Okay. so okay. that's why you want to take those periodic breaks you know, if, if need be, if not, if you're in shape and you can just fucking troop it and fucking do it, you Sheesh. know, but yeah, it gets cold up there. The air gets thin, but that's a goal of mine next year. I'm going to do that. So, yeah. So, uh, mine aren't as crazy. You know what I mean? I feel like you have really big goals <laughs> for that one. Uh, for the future one, my past, my, uh, past experience, I try to do something super recent. Um, so uh, when I was working out at home, I really pushed myself when I was working out, like I did. Uh, like a crazy amount of pull-ups and push-ups but i think my greatest achievement was i planked for almost three minutes like ned didn't move didn't get off a plank i don't know if that's like to me that was a like record so i was like that shit was hard <laughs> i oh, could yeah. like just for, when i hit that one minute 30 second mark the governor was like all right you're, you're good <laughs> yeah. like get up all right now your body's telling you to stop uh-huh. like get off all right stop like yeah, yeah. it like that your core hurts so fucking bad but <laughs> um i felt like that was a, a real uh, achievement of mine um recently um for my future um i would say i want to say running the mini marathon but i think that's all of ours right like i don't want to um, I would say for my trading career, though, I would say learning and understanding fundamentals. That's one thing that I do not understand, like how John just broke down uh, the current the company mm. um, that he's looking into. That's sort of like fundamentals. It's like research around the what's going on in reality rather than like looking at the charts and like. Oh, OK, one thing. I see. So that's one thing yeah. that I'm like a newbie at i don't know anything about how to read news and what affects what or what correlates so i think that's going to be like a real challenge for me um because it's going to test me like how the charts test me when i first started um and i think i'm afraid to get into it because it's like what if i have to keep making mistakes making mistakes and relearning and having to go back and like so but i think i need to just tackle it head on and just start you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. that's one future uh Mental desire point. I wish I, I want to like overcome, but I want to like get that governor. Like, just do it. Just start now. Hell yeah. Dope, dude. How about you, David? For me, uh, my past experience um, pushing myself past that point was, um, I want to say recently. I, I know I've ran it before. Um, I've ran you know four miles without. Actually, no. Yeah, when we, me and Jay ran the other day, Sunday, uh, was it Sunday? It was like last Sunday. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, ran four miles without stopping, and I kept my pace, which was uh, a little bit probably. I didn't think I should have been. There was a point where I was like, "Damn, I, I think I'm gonna have to stop because I think I was going too fast." Like Jay, Jay was uh, going a little bit slower, but he kept like a really good pace going, and I was like, just like, "Fuck, man, I need to get this shit done." <laughs> um so 
there is a point towards the end where I was like, man, maybe I should stop because it was really hot that day too. Um, but we did it. And I think the governor towards the end was like, bro, you usually run two miles and then you take like a little break at the bridge, like for maybe like a couple minutes and then you go run. He's like, and then the governor's like, you haven't just ran for four miles straight. So um, maybe you should chill. <laughs> but, uh, and then it was hot, you know? So I, I just, um, I forced myself to get it done. And then, uh, so we both did that. And for future, future experiences, um, definitely the, the run that we're going to put on, um, I think that would be cool because I've never ran more than four miles before. But I think once I do that, I'm going to apply that mentality to when I run further distances because I know I want to. I want to run. I want to at least try for a mini marathon. I think I could do it because mm -hmm. if I could do this and just keep that like mind game going and really pace myself, I think I could do it. Is the, the mini marathon is 13 miles. 13.1. Yeah. And Okay. Yeah. So it'd be double what we're going to do, but I think we could do it. Oh, yeah, dude, we could do it. If we keep training and then we make it a point and say we're going to do it, we can fucking do it. Bro. I know we can do it. It's just, you know, we got to condition ourselves and get ready. Nah, you know? do it, bro. Let's fucking do nah. it. Maybe that would be good practice for us nah, for that practice. hike. You know nah, what I'm saying? Bro, you see oh, David yeah. Goggins? You see the team David Goggins? All right, fuck it. Right, let's go. Let's run. No. <laughs> Podcast over. Fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. How about you, John? Practice. Uh, mine's kind of like along the same lines as David, uh, like a previous limitations, uh, running to when I was able to run like seven miles, at like a, at a fast pace, at least I thought for myself, um, I felt like an athlete or something. And, um, uh, talking about how you talked about, you said, uh, how Rome wasn't built in a day, but also wasn't destroyed today. I hadn't realized since I got an ace, my cardio had fallen off more than usual just because of like i was doing different things but uh you know i told you guys last week my goal was to run three miles every day mm -hmm. um like not only did, did that i was doing like four or five miles a day there you know? go and and like now um like i, I just run them all like when i wake up and I, like today we're, i was out on time so i was like come on ace we're gonna do a quick mile and a quick mile like it, it was like i forgot i was running i was like so deep in thought I was like, hell yeah. I was like, this mile shit easy. This two mile shit easy now, dude. There you go. I was like, you start getting like on Saturday, um, before I went out, me and Ace ran six miles. Like I, I ran oh, yeah. our typical two, I ran our typical two. And then I was like, fuck it, dude, let's go to the dog park. So I just started running towards the dog park, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Ace ran so the whole like, time? Uh, huh? Ace yeah, went, yeah. Damn. Ace, Ace an animal, bro. <laughs> Literally. We're, we're, doing, we're doing like eight minute miles together now. I, was, wow. so I forget. I got really, uh, I got like really high the other day. And I was like looking at Ace and I was like, bro, like you're asking. I was like, you're doing this shit with me? Like how dope is that? Right. Um, Hell yeah. So. Dude, uh, I'm just waiting for I, Ace to like pop up on the side <laughs> of the screen and be like, what's up guys? I just want to show. Fucking A. So, um, all right. My, my, what I'm shooting for now is I want to reach like a new goal. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting back to being close to like what used to be my best. Um, I'm, I'm having a slower pace on it than I have, but I'm going to say it's because it's ace, but just because I'm not as good as I was, mm -hmm. but I want to do 10 miles. That's mm -hmm. my goal. My next goal. Um, if I can do 10 miles, that would be dope. I, I can say I broke double digits, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Hell yeah, dude. I've never broke double digits, so. But so, of course, that's hard. That's, that's hard. I was talking about earlier, like, how everything's hard. Nah, bro. Running 10 miles is hard. <laughs> yeah. Watch TV, huh. you know? 
For sure. People oh. think running a mile is hard, bro. That, that, that was See? me. That was me two weeks ago. Right. And that shit helped me. Shit, that was me two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, like how fast you can be like, hey, this mile shit easy, dude. Right. Like how fast that happens. Hell yeah. I just did the math over here. So um, going based off of what the 40% rule is, Devin, a three-minute plank at 40%, that's three minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 100% is nine and a half minutes. <laughs> you could you you could have done nine and a half minutes. <laughs> Damn, David, like ten minutes running four miles. That's forty percent. One hundred percent is ten miles. I can do that. John running. <laughs> yeah. During the summer, fuck. John running seven miles. One hundred percent is seventeen and a half miles. Jeez. You could have done that. Uh, for myself, <laughs> hiking ten miles would have been uh, at one hundred percent twenty-five miles and eighty-seven hundred feet worth of gain. So you guys still got a lot in the tank. You guys been holding out on me? (laughs) Just kidding. I think you guys got it, man. I I think that if that, if we're going by the 40% rule, 100% would have been these numbers. All right. I'm nine minutes my goal now. So every time I do a plank, I'm 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 just fucking, I ain't even going to be able to do the summit hike, bro. I'm going to die. Gawkins walks sometimes in his, in his ultras tooth. Take a little break if you need it. Get on my knees. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right, so before we wrap it up, I wanted to ask one question because it just came to mind, and I think it'd be an interesting point uh, for people to see. He talks about his laws of nature and how you will feel insecure, you will be uh, made fun of, you will not be the best of all time. You will, you may be the only black, white, Asian, Latino, female, male, gay, lesbian, fill in the blank identity here in a given situation. I want to know where you felt like this in your life and how you attacked that problem. Mm-hmm. So starting with myself, I'll go, um, you know, I my parents are mixed, I'm mixed. And uh, around here, it's primarily of Latino culture. Um, we, have, we have other cultures here as well too. Um, but going to school here or going to school in Washington, uh, it was always a thing of like, oh, what race are you? You know what I mean? And I could, I'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm all, I'm all of these things, you know, everything. And so, um, for, and I've always kind of felt this, it was for the white crowd. I was too Mexican. And for the Mexican crowd, I was too white. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had come to accept that in middle school and even in high school a little bit. And, uh, it took kind of building what my identity was outside of race to understand that that is such a small frame, a reference frame of thought. So now when I hear people say like, oh, it's because of this, like, oh, it's because I'm Mexican. Oh, it's because I'm white. It's hard for me to identify with that idea when it would be like, you know, there's so many different things that could have happened in terms of bad decisions that led up to this moment. Not just because you were Mexican, not because just because you were black. What decisions did I make personally that brought me to this point? Right. Uh, So I think it was like right as high school was ending, I kind of came to the realization that my identity was bigger than race Mm. right bars and so for the people that are out there that think like you're this is what you have to do because you're this race whatever it might be black white asian latino uh, or sexual orientation gay straight whatever it is you're bigger than that you know you're more than that your identity isn't just that you you know there's parts of a foundation in your identity and that's very that's one of a hundred million different things you could build top of True. And so um, that was just my own. Now, I'd like to hear your guys' too, because I think that that would be something we can all learn from. 
where we felt it's almost the question's almost like where we felt like we didn't fit in or maybe the fitting in didn't come as so comfortable as we thought it would where were you insecure where were you made fun of where you know where was your identity built upon that um, Jeez. it's been a minute <clears throat> i know for me yeah shit Jay, this shit kind of hard slap us with this i'm like hold up bro i didn't think about this shit got, you know um sometimes i go to strummers and i'm just like the most handsome person in the room Shut you know? your ass, <laughs> and like it's just really annoying you know? <laughs> nah cut nah. <laughs> I, uh, bro, I feel like I was bullied and made fun of and, you know, for being, like, skinny and my whole dang school career, dude. Like, for real. I didn't really get out of that until maybe college-ish or whatever. But I used to get bullied for being, like, just because I was, like, easy to pick on. You know what I mean? Not, like, so much the whole race thing, but physically, that was always something I struggled with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, man, uh, I, I felt really it like it almost felt like life wasn't fair it's was just like man why am i like this like blah, blah, blah. but yeah. and you identified with it oh yeah yeah oh yeah only until i kind of forced myself to um work out and you know tap into that yeah. that pain you know what i mean i think we talked about that recently or one of the chapters was you know using your pain and giving it like a face mm-hmm. and going off of that um got out of that for sure so what plan of action did you institute to attack that? You said working out. <clears throat> to attack that first, uh, I had to be comfortable with um, just like not even be comfortable. I think I just had to like face myself and like look in the mirror and like really like work out. Sometimes I go to the gym and I like stare at my skinny self in the mirror while I'm working out. I'm like, mm. fuck you, you know? Mm. Okay. Going off. And um, yeah, that was my plan of attraction. Yeah. Or, plan of action and then going to the gym um sticking to a routine and going when i didn't feel like it there you go hell yeah Yeah. all right you guys give me something super brief i don't know you got one job i'll I'll just go super quick um i'll know picking a career you know post high school where i'm from uh, it's kind of an affluent area um 95% 95% of kids go to college mm. um, just on principle, whether they're smart or that they want to. It's just like it's the social norm. Um, I didn't go. I decided to be a welder just because I thought it was interesting. Um, and it made me feel insecure at some points because of people love this like compare each other. And they're like, oh, you're not going to college. Whatever. Be like my own peers. Yeah. But on the flip side. Um, I wasn't like the typical welder guy. Like I'm not like a white redneck, um, you know? Yeah. So I didn't necessarily fit in with the welder crowd either, you know? But, um, it all didn't fucking matter because I wasn't a normal welder guy. Like I was able to succeed in my career better, you know? True. And because I picked a path that most of my peers didn't, I had to think a funner experience, you know? Yeah. And it all worked out. So, uh, you know? Nice. I think in those, I felt felt insecure or uncomfortable but ended up being okay hell yeah dude that's dope i would say uh i identify with not being able to fit in with specific groups kind of like you mix you can mix and mingle with all sorts of ethnicities but some people are like oh you're not too this for that like you're not too black to hang out with us or you're not too white like you're too black to hang out with the white people you're too white to hang out the black and it's like cool then i'll go find the people that are 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 all mixed because i 
like I was so easily I, like skateboarding. I think really brought that out of me. Is like I had to make friends in skateboarding because mm-hmm. like you go to the skate park by yourself, like you're damn near looked at like, bro, who is this kid? Like, yeah. especially when you go to do a trick and someone just did it and you go do it right after them. It's like, there's like a sort of like a tension. Yeah. So it's always good to make friends and, and, and just talk to people. And I had to do that my whole life as a child, but I think I dealt, I dealt with the same thing. Like, and I think as an adult, I've identified that and it's like, it doesn't bother me now. It's yeah. like, I don't like, I don't identify myself. So if you identify me, then that's your yeah. personal. Issue. Is, isn't that what's great about like activity? That's like, uh, for guys, like an activity can bring uncommon people together, right? Yeah. yeah. Respect. They go, oh, I respect what you just did. I don't give a shit about anything else, but right. you can kickflip. Yeah. You know, like you, you can skate, like you can weld, you can play football. Like people on football teams, they can be mad racist, you know, but like they have like this brotherly football bond, right? Mm-hmm. And like people overcome that stuff, right? You know, because they respect what they see and what they care about. Yeah. Hell yeah. Definitely. That's a great point. And, you know, I think about people that their whole identity is their race and it's like, bro, like you're fucking boring. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you gotta be more than that, man. You gotta be more than that. And so, well, normally, normally if their identity is their whole race, they're pretty insecure because like, right. That's your identity. Just like, like wrapped up in that. Right. Wrapped up in that. That's pretty, you know, like you were just given that by chance. Right. Know? I think, I think the society we're moving towards is, is more comforting for people that to like open up and be themselves. Yeah. Cause man. I think everything is more opening, but, I think that chi- chi- at least children still deal with that, like oh, yeah. ethnicity or religion or um, especially now, like, like how hard is punk and like, stuff like that. Yeah, not, so. th- not even people that's like their identity. People who like judge people because oh, of yeah, their identity. yeah, Even though, you know uh, what I'm saying? Like yeah. those people. I'm like, I'm like, that's that's what the judgment that's comes all you from. See. Like, yeah, like, yeah. they can't even control that shit. You know, right? Like, yeah. right? Seriously. So I uh, thank you guys for sharing those. I know um, a lot of people can relate to some of these things um you know john's was really interesting that he chose career you chose physique uh, race was one that we chose it, it's a bunch of different things you can choose too um and you know it's just really interesting you can come at it from any different angle and and let us know what you think you know what were you insecure about if you're willing to share that how did you attack it um are you the only one the only in whatever you're doing how are you dealing with that let us know how you're attacking that situation we want to be inspired uh, just like everybody else. And so with that, I'm going to take us out. Thank you so much for watching. We always appreciate you guys tuning in. We know we're building, we're building. John's over there in Virginia. We're still making it happen. We miss him every day. So uh, make sure you guys tune into the next episode. Subscribe to the channel. Like the video. Leave, leave us some feedback Put down some below comments, in the comment, in the comment section. section. And follow us on all our social media platforms. They'll be down in the description below. And never, ever, ever forget for the work you put in now. Red is a little used demand to betray his soul. Maybe you're the protagonist in your story, but like there's a million other people.